Welcome back, everybody. Hope the however the time was spent, there was a sense of nurturance and even sort of slowing down. Um, so as I mentioned before, we'll just move right into the sit. Um, so I'm going to invite each of us to allow the body to come into a posture that feels supportive, restful. Um, it might be helpful if you kind of want to roll the shoulders up and back. Just notice if there are any areas in the body that might uh, help to adjust a little bit so there's a little bit uh, a little bit more ease to come into the body. Is there any part that would like some holding in order to be able to relax? And just again, kind of calling in to the degree that it's possible, kind of just a sense of relax relaxation and ease in the body, even. It, if it's kind of on top of a discomfort or a pain or a chronic condition, again, that sense of uh, having different sensations, there can be ease, there can be pain. Yeah. Um, so just again, allowing yourself to come into that position to feel a connection with the earth beneath us. And for the anchor this morning, I want to encourage us to stay sort of in the mindfulness of the body and stay with this, the theme of sensation and connecting into the body. So I, as you all, some of you know, I'm a big fan of sort of hand of the heart, hand of the belly. This is a way of connecting with myself. Somatically, it's just also a nice way to settle the nervous system. It can also be hand of the forehead too. Um, and just letting yourself take a few moments here, just like, how does it feel just to rest here and allowing yourself to be held by yourself? Yeah. And is the background noise okay? Did anybody hear it? Thank you, Kim. Um, so just staying, again, meeting ourselves. Again, I think the hands of the heart and belly allow for that as well. Is this the way? Of, oh, I'm here, just here. And the mind's going to do what it does, right? Come up with questions or complaints or judging, comparing, list making, all the things the mind does. Trying to figure something out, having conversations. Oh, okay. It's like, shh, it's okay. And directing that energy back to the body. And it's almost like, we're going to cultivate a conversation of how is it just in the body and to be connected to the body. We can spend so much of our time in our, in sort of the first foot of our, in that mind, right? We're on our phones or being kind of pulled out of our bodies. And that shift to turn towards embodiment, to actually occupying this body of ours for many women is an incredibly courageous step from conditioning and traumas we've experienced. So I don't say it lightly, but this accepting this invitation to allow ourselves to rest at home in this body of ours. That there's really nowhere else to live. And it can sound so easy and yet sometimes it can be so hard. It's so easy to kind of go up and out or leaning forward. And this invitation just to meet ourselves in this body, in this breath, in this moment, 
yeah, there's nowhere else to be. There's nothing else to do. But can we, again, a kind of wide angle lens of attention of how is it in this body? The mm-hmm. sensations of the heart beating, of the breath moving through, the expansion mm-hmm. and contractions that come with each breath. The felt sense of the hands on the belly and heart if they're there. I'm aware of sort of one foot resting on the other foot and sort of feeling that pressure and connection of one foot on the other. So where do you notice in the body these points of connection? Meeting ourselves. Oh yeah, hi, this is this body. In in this almost investigative connection, there's a sense of how is it in the body, yeah. Without a sense of judgment, but as if we were with a dear friend. Oh, sweetie, how are you? How is this body? And sort of therein is the conversation, not so much the narrative again, but more sensation and meeting ourselves however we are with a sense of gentleness of, okay, it's just like this. Pleasant, unpleasant. It's just like this in the body. This softening in to what's true about how it is to be alive in this body in this moment. And then in this moment, and we can always begin again, right? Sometimes we can get caught in feeling like, oh, it's always going to feel this way. Maybe, maybe not. But this permission to, oh, wait, begin again. How is it just now? It's like this. Okay. Gentle, gentle. Gentling ourselves into this moment and into the next with this intention of connecting ever deeper with this mysterious, magical, amazing body of ours. And all that it does. So please remember, there's no such thing as a bad sit. We come, we take our seats, so we see how it is. And meeting ourselves with that, oh, it's like this, with as much ease and gentleness, softness as possible. Thank you.
Thanks for your patience. Our internet oddly just totally cut out. So I'm on my phone, so that's why I might look a little bit different. Um, but thanks for bearing with us with me. Um, ironically, what I want to talk today is about connection. <laughs> so just want me to totally lose it. Um, midway through the sit, I'm so glad I opened my eyes. And I was like, oh, wait, I'm gone. Um, so last week, uh, we kind of explored together. I think it was titled sort of the, the edge of fear. Uh, leaning into the edge of fear. And I feel like one of the ways that we can uh, work with this edge is through a sense of connection. And so often, I know for myself and working with folks, when we're in a place of fear or anxiety or um, any of those strong, afflictive emotions, we can kind of disconnect from ourselves. Yeah. And once we lose connection with ourselves, it's pretty hard to connect with anybody else and it's really hard to know ourselves in a way that can be helpful in terms of meeting ourselves as a way of either settling the nervous system or taking any kind of skillful action and I wanted to explore this in part today I shared this with Carlita earlier but those of you some of you know last year I was in Florida and had all kinds of odd housing and health issues and this morning at six o'clock Pacific Coast time, I had a mediation um, to settle some things. Uh, but the blessing of this mediation is it was with a, a dear friend of mine I went to law school with. I literally have not seen him in more than 30 years. And he's one of those guys that's like, you know, when you have someone that you haven't seen, you can just drop right back in. It's as if we were in our late 20s um, and just so great. And so this funny dichotomy of a kind of unpleasant situation, but just such delight. And being with this dear friend of mine, that says like, oh, I love this person. It's so sweet. And was so struck by the power of connection. Um, I mean, I got up at 4.30, listened to a Dharma talk, I did a sit, built an altar, did all the things one does, and was nervous and being aware of being nervous. And then when I saw my friend, it was like, oh, this is going to be totally fine. And that uh, power of connection that um, really can be transformative. And I wanted to kind of play in this arena. And I came across this uh, from Andrew Cooper, who's the editor-in-chief of Tricycle Magazine. And he wrote, although E.M. Forrester could hardly have intended that the epithet to his novel Howard's End, Only Connect, serve as a two-word distillation of the Buddhist teaching, it certainly is a good and timely one to connect across the differences that divide us to connect by building bonds of affection, understanding, and support, to connect in the recognition that we and all things are inextricably, well, connected. In our age of accelerated travel and instant communication, doesn't this simple phrase offer us a promising touchstone for Buddhist practice? Is not connection with others one of the surest ways to loosen the bonds of self-concern and to find one's best way to act in the world? It is as well a wonderfully economical description of the basis, the means, and the fruit of spiritual life. Our differences do indeed matter, but they don't matter as much as this. Only connect, and in Foster's Forster's words, live in fragments no longer. And I love that phrase, of like live in fragments no, no longer, in the way that in this world of ours, we can be pretty fragmented. Sort of this in the different hats and roles that we're in, they might not always come together in a unified sense. And really, uh, we might have limited arenas in which all of us can show up. 
where we can um, internally be united. Some In some circumstances, it's like, well, this part of me can't really come and I need to kind of cover up this part and I can't be this way. And we can fragment ourselves to be accepted or to feel like that's the only way we can belong. And it comes really at a cost, right? It's it's hard to do that. Um, it's hard to, let me rephrase that. It takes a lot of energy to maintain that. And there's ways within ourselves that we've fragmented part of ourselves, the parts that we don't like or the parts that are just so uh, wounded. It's easy to kind of be like, oh, I don't want to look. And this sort of the twofold path of connection, both finding those parts within ourselves that are hard to connect to um, from early childhood traumas, from experiences in schools, from oppressiveness in for certain uh, folks in our culture, just the myriad of ways that we can be told, yeah, not all of you is welcome here. And then we do that internally. Not all of the parts that I am scared of or I don't like, how have we, in exiling those parts of ourselves, fragmented ourselves? And in that fragmentation, we've lost uh, the fullness of our life and our the fullness of our capacity to live from the heart and to know ourselves as deeply as possible. Because in the knowing... And understanding, oh, this is the terrain. These are sort of the shadowy parts. These are the challenging areas of uh, that still need to be worked through or really to be integrated and folded in. And these are sort of the, the easier areas to have that sense of, okay, this is me. These are the different components of my personality. These are the components of how well, um, so when we're in our, our best selves, sort of our own Buddha nature, what's that feel like? And I can kind of constantly pointing us back to we what's it feel like in the body? And I I know I'm gonna guess many of us know that sense of how it feels in the body when we're disconnected. It's just like we're not there at all. And that sense of how does it feel when we're fragmented or disconnected it doesn't feel right, we're off. And then that sense when we can be congruent with the heart, there's an openness and a, a strength in the heart. The mind is relatively quiet and the body is um, we're aligned with how the body is. Like that's such a beautiful place from which to move. Um, so this is from Dana Files. Go in and in, go in and in. Be the space between two cells, the vast, resounding silence in which spirit dwells. Be sugar dissolving on the tongue of life. Dive in and in, as deep as you can dive. Be infinite, ecstatic truth. Be love conceived and born in union. Be exactly what you seek. That beloved singing, yes, tasting, yes, embracing, yes. Until there is only essence, the all of everything expressing through you as you go in and in and turn away from nothing that you find. Yeah. This beautiful invitation that also is, has sort of a generosity of turning towards and saying yes to so many things but also the courage to not turn away from anything. The sense of that there can be a spaciousness to allow all things, all parts of ourselves to be included. You know, they often talk about sort of the space of our song that stretches across state lines and often across oceans and um, national borders. That's a lot of space. And being able to drop into that sense of spaciousness as a holding for ourselves. Um, I sorry, I don't know what's happening with our technology here. Um, there's this poem from Robert Hall, The Body You Are Wearing. 
with the body you are wearing now inside the bones and beating in the heart lives the one you have been searching for so long. But you must stop running away and shake hands. The meeting doesn't happen without your presence, your participation. The same one waiting for you there is moving in the trees, listening on the water, growing in the grasses, and lurking in the shadows you create. You have nowhere to go. The marriage happened long ago. Behold your mate. And this beautiful invitation of, oh yeah, this body of ours, our only one true companion through our life. How to turn towards it of, okay, this body, with all the ways that we might wish it were otherwise. Does it help us to go there? Think of all the, many of us maybe as teens and teen girls coming up and women of all ages can sort of be so disparaging of how our body looks like. Yeah, but this is it. This is the container in which we move through our lives and can we accept and settle and uh, just even rejoice that this is how it is with all of its aches and pains and illnesses and distresses. Yeah. But there's a softening into, oh, this body is like this. Uh, can I in, embody it in order to move, right? To embody it fully with all of its uh, limitations and condition. Yeah. This is from, sorry. Yeah. Um, I actually, I, I lost the, the monastic that is a Tibetan uh, uh, monastic. It's listen, no brothers and sisters. If you recognize me, queen of the lake of awareness, who encompasses both emptiness and form. Know that I live in the minds of all beings who live. Know that I live in the body of mind, in the field of the senses. No matter is only my bones and skin. We are not two, yet you look for me outside. When you find me within yourself, your own naked mind, that single awareness will fill all worlds. Then the joy of the one will hold you like a lake. Its fish and gold-seeing eyes will grow many and fat. Hold to that knowledge and pleasure, and the creative will be your wings. You will leap through the green meadows of earthly appearance, enter the sky fields, and vanish. Sort of somewhat esoteric indication of the connection that's so deep than the, um, the delusion of separation. Yeah, I think it was Martin Luther King that speaks of that, but how do we step outside that sense of separateness and aloneness and isolation and fragmentation into this lake that will hold us, this lake of awareness and connectivity and the allowing ourselves to touch in through these practices that help us steady the mind, steady the heart, to touch into a sense of connectivity. Yeah. Um, like roots from St. Francis of Assisi. Our hands imbibe like roots, so I place them on what is beautiful in this world, and I fold them in prayer, and they draw from the heavens. And I love the image of the roots, and you know, we think of, let's say, an aspen grove, where these trees are so, one tree, so connected to each other, and as we're learning more in science about how trees actually communicate, in the sense of, again, of connection, and can we allow ourselves to stand 
with faith and confidence that we are connected both inwardly um, to other humans and to the natural world around us. And it can be challenging sometimes, yeah, that, that we can interact with such harshness sometimes. And uh, the bad actors are like, wait, what? What's happening? And okay, how do we hold that as not allowing the interactions we may have with folks that um, just are super challenging? To not challenge our own sense of connection to ourselves sometimes. I know when I was younger, but interacting with folks that were fairly traumatizing, I would just kind of collapse or move into that trauma response of flight. Uh, it was the only, it was sort of the skills that I had at the time, and sort of through work and learning other ways of being, working towards being able to hold on to myself in the face of whatever comes. But there's a, a confidence in faith, and I share this a lot, so forgive me for repeating myself, but the Pali word I love is sadha, sort of, uh, meaning faith, translated one way, what do I rest my heart upon? And my favorite translation of this word is a sense of confidence in my ability to meet what comes. And I think that confidence comes from an integration of knowing ourselves, oh, this is what's true for my heart. This is the experience when my mind is steady and settled. This is how it feels when my body is aligned. And this way in which that alignment engenders a sense of confidence, a sense of capacity, faith in our capacity to meet what comes. Because the strategies of our youth often led to kind of self-betrayals, self-dismissals, uh, reaching outside ourselves and leaving ourselves, you know, that sense of betrayal. So the, again, Buddhist teachings, <clears throat> excuse me, of, of the loving kindness practices. May I be happy. May I be safe. May my own goodness protect me. You know, the practices of uh, compassion. May I be held in the arms of compassion. Yeah. May the joy that you are feeling, that I am feeling, multiply in the sense of mudita and the equanimity of may I <clears throat> abide in peace. May there be balance as ways of, again, connecting to the heart and connecting others with others. Um, the Patience of Ordinary Things by Pat Schneider. Is it a kind of love? Is it not? How the cup holds the tea, how the chair stands sturdy and foursquare. How the floor receives the bottom of shoes or toes. How the soles of the feet know where they're supposed to be. I've been thinking about the patience of ordinary things, how clothes wait respectfully in the closets. Soap dries quietly in the dish. The towels drink the wet from the skin of the back and the lovely repetition of stairs. And what is more generous than a window? Yeah. So this way of allowing ourselves to see the support, the generosity, the connectivity, both in ordinary things, both within ourselves and with the world uh, that we move in. Um, okay, one more poem and then we'll do an exercise. This is a big poem day. Uh, this is by Orla Beaton, The Grace of Snow. There is such beauty in the way the grass gracefully accepts the snow and the snow gracefully accepts the soft landing of the grass. They are entirely at ease with each other's presence outside the world of weather warnings and closed bridges. There is a grace right here, right now, each flake whirling and dancing, each blade 
carefully welcoming like an old friend the miraculous arrival of snow. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And just take a moment. There's a lot of imagery in the poems, a lot of my own words. Sort of just fit with what resonates, what didn't. But just allowing yourself to come back to yourself. Feeling the body sitting here. And I want to play with a couple of the images from the poem and the sense of the tenderness of the cup holding the tea, uh, the tenderness of the stairs, uh, the, or, the patience of ordinary things. And just in your mind's eye, I want to invite you to picture one of the uh, the rooms in the where you are, and to kind of apply that, like you know how the desk is holding certain things, the floor accepts the rug, the couch supports the pillows, accepts the pillows, because in this is a invitation to see the relationships, the connection between things, yeah. The door frame holding the door. And as you, in your minds, I kind of move around the room you're imagining and feeling this sense of uh, the interconnection between these objects. Is there a felt sense? I know for myself, as I kind of walked through it to sense sort of the sweetness, the idea of that's so nice of the desk to hold my computer, yeah. the chair to hold me, the floor to hold the rug beneath my feet. And perhaps the room that you're in has a window and imagine, imagining looking out the window and the tree that's supporting the birds the earth that's supporting the grass, the building that you're in, the flowers, all of us. And being able to see through this lens of support and connection between all things, it's inescapable, yeah. And allowing yourself to to be on that stage as well. Yeah, that which is supporting you. The clothes that your body is supporting. And then I'm going to shift gears just a little and invite each of us, much like we did in the arriving sit, to call to mind someone who's so dear. And maybe it's someone you haven't seen in 20, 30, 40 years. But if you imagine sitting before them, there's this delight, that gladdening of the heart. And as I said earlier, it could be an animal. It can be someone that's uh, no longer with us in the human realm. And just imagining offering this person the phrase of may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you live with ease. 
May your goodness protect you. May you be held in the arms of compassion. May you know you are held in the arms of compassion. May your good fortune continue. May you live with balance and ease. Let's see which of any of those phrases resonate and just imagine just repeating those phrases with this uh, allowing yourself to feel this gift that you are extending this blessing of well-wishing. May you have ease, may you have health and joy and peace. Yeah. And really allow yourself to drop into either the imagined or the actual sense of connection with this person who's so easy to love. One of the things I love about practicing with the Brahma Viharas is being able to bring in creativity. So these well wishes may be in the form of flowers or chocolate or a book or some gift that you love to share with others. Again, it's this offering of well wishing. May you be happy and healthy. May your joy continue. May you feel the arms of compassion around you. May you live with balance and peace. It can be quite a beautiful bouquet, yeah. And then I'm going to invite you to invite somebody else in, another dear one. Often if it's your child, it's your child sleeping. Yeah. And just picturing yourself in front of this being, again, animal, human, alive or passed on, and offering these similar phrases. May you be happy and healthy and peaceful. May your good fortune and joy continue. May you be held in the arms of compassion. May you know you are held in the arms of compassion. May you live with balance and ease. Another image I play with, it's almost like you're offering this cloak or shawl to another that's been so beautifully woven with these wishes for friendliness and generosity and joy and balance and peace. And again, allowing there to be a, a thread of awareness about the connectivity, whether it's actually there or just imagining it. Oh yeah, this is someone that I love. How does that feel in the body? How does the heart feel, the belly? How does it feel through the jaw, through the center line of the body, the back body? When we give ourselves permission to sit before people that we love. Or maybe a better way to say that, to sit with, yeah. 
And if you want this, open the door a little more to see who else comes in. To allow yourself to be surrounded and struggled by beings, human form, animal form, places that you love. Offering each one that comes in, may you be happy, may you be peaceful, may you live with ease. May your good fortune and joy continue. May you know you are held in the arms of compassion. May you live with balance and peace and ease. And sometimes it's just the word, may you be healthy, happy, peaceful, joyful, equanimous. And again, allowing yourself to take in how it is to be encircled by these beings you love. Again, folks or animals you may not have seen in decades. What do you notice in your own system when you give yourself this gift of, oh, yeah, these are my people. This is my circle of beloveds. Allow yourself to feel that connection. And know that this circle of dear ones is always available. Yeah. Sort of to take a mental snapshot here, knowing you can revisit this anytime. Yeah. So thank you so much for your kind attention. I'm going to stop here.